We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Monte. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Monte. If you guys have your Bibles, let's open up to Mark chapter 1. Uh, Mark chapter 1 tonight, we're only going to be covering a few verses. We're going to look at verses 16 through 18. And uh, I'm not really sure you're going to learn anything new tonight. We're going to cover a pretty basic passage of Scripture. We're going to look at the, the call of Simon and Andrew as Jesus walked along the Sea of Galilee, which is a, an amazing place to walk along. Uh, just thinking of your pastor being in Israel, it's just bringing back some some memories of uh, of our trip out there and how amazing it was and the sunrise and you got to go. You got to go. If ever your church has another trip, uh, you know, pray the Lord will provide and you'll be blessed to walk along and sail along the Sea of Galilee. So, you know, as I said, we're, we're going to look at something that is probably pretty familiar to us, but I think it's important for us to to ponder certain things and to think about things. And as we look at this call of these apostles, uh, really to remember about the call that we received and how amazing that really is. And it's important for us to not forget those so-called simple things. Uh, It's when we forget the simple things, the basic things, that we get ourselves in trouble. It's when we forget to be amazed over simply being saved. We can get so sidetracked or distracted by so many things in church and really allow that to just rob us of our joy and the joy of salvation and the joy of being saved and the joy of Jesus. And I hope tonight as we see this call upon these two brothers that it really, first of all, just reminds us how truly amazing it is that we've been saved, that we've been called, that we've been chosen. And I'm thinking a lot of that phrase that says, before the foundation of the world, before the foundation of the world, before time even began, before God uttered those words, let there be light. He already knew us. He already planned our lives, and he knew what he was going to do in our lives. And it's really an amazing thought. And so we can look at these first three verses, or these only three verses that we'll be looking at tonight, and we'll see, first of all, that obviously Jesus saw them, and he saw all of us. He saw us out of all the others. In verse 16, it says, And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee... He saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. And so I wanted to think tonight how amazing this is. I don't know what the population was of the entire earth when Jesus walked upon it and Jesus, God God became flesh and God became a man. I don't know what the population was, but think about it. Out of all of the men on the earth, the men and women, God had set apart 12 guys to be with him for three years. These 12 guys, these 12 privileged guys, and he saw them. And it just brings to mind all of these different characters that sometimes we marvel at in the Bible and in the pages of Scripture. And though there were things that went on in their life that seemed um, like they were accidents or they were coincidence or they were happenstance, And even coming to Christ, maybe some of you guys, like sometimes I feel, you know, coming to Christ was almost accidental. Coming to Christ maybe was almost something that we resisted even. 
and, and tried to put off and run from. You know, my wife was uh, born into a Christian home, and she was introduced to Christianity. I was a Catholic, and we were married. And we, we weren't married yet. We eventually got married. Uh, but there were things that kind of drove her back to church, and she really um, encouraged me to come to church too. But I said, well, that, that's not my kind of church. I, I didn't grow up in that kind of church. And I was really satisfied with the religion I had. And I didn't really want to get that close to Jesus. I, I was sort of satisfied with the religion to that degree. But I didn't know what I was missing. And I didn't know that God had a plan for me. And in all these people that I'll mention... You know, some of their circumstances seemed really accidental or out of nowhere. You think about Joseph. You know, there he is feeling like the, the, the special son, the privileged son. And it's by his ten brothers throwing him into a pit and being sold off to Egypt that he's actually fulfilling the plan of God. The plan of God to save the nation of Israel. And to allow the nation of Israel to grow while they're there in Egypt. So think about all these things in your life where they seem accidental. But the truth is, God saw you way before you actually had your eyes opened. And you you saw the light. Just like these guys. These guys had started to notice Jesus. We don't really know the timing Sometimes we might read Matthew and Mark and we might see this initial encounter and we just think, man, the very first time Jesus walked on the Sea of Galilee there on the shore of it and he saw these guys and he said out of nowhere, hey, you guys follow me, that that was the very first time that Peter and Andrew saw Jesus. But they had actually been with John. If you go to the book of John, not now, but you go to John And you'll read that Simon and Andrew were with John, and John was beginning to point them or push them to Jesus. And they were seeing Jesus, and they were hearing Jesus, and they were hearing things about Jesus, and they would even go and get others and say, hey, we think we found the Messiah. And so here it kind of um, portrays this picture that it was just kind of a one-time deal. Out of nowhere, Jesus walking up to them and saying, come and follow me. But they had a little bit of time to to check Jesus out and see Jesus. And eventually this was when they finally decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, if you will. But God had his eye upon them, as we said, from before the foundations of the world. And the thing to marvel at is that's not just true of Simon, Andrew, Peter, James, John, Nathaniel. That's not just true of all those guys. Guess what? That's true of every single one of us that's here as a believer. Every one of us. And for those of you that maybe you haven't become a believer, you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, guess what? You're not here tonight by accident. It's because God is calling you. And he's calling you, whatever your name is, God is calling out your name and he's wanting to draw you to himself. That was the first thing that Jesus wanted. He wanted them to be with him. And that's the first thing for all of us. It's just simply being with Jesus. So you get a guy like Joseph back in the book of Genesis. It seemed like an accident that he ends up in this pit, but it's not. You get a guy like Moses, right, who because of the threats of Egypt, his parents had to kind of send him away. And in sending him away, he found a place of refuge and safety in the Pharaoh's home. But God would eventually call him to be used to set the captives free from Israel. You get the wonderful story of Esther, Esther simply just thinking that she's joining some beauty pageant or something. I'm going to become the next queen. You know, she's there playing with her Barbies and believing one day I'm going to be a queen. And then they put these posters up saying, we're going to, we're trying to find the queen, the next queen. You know, and she says, well, I'll try it out. Why not? 
And she goes there and she, whoa, I win. I won out of everybody. You know, what a shock. What a surprise. And then all this other crazy stuff goes on and, and she goes to her cousin there. Her cousin Mordecai and says, man, you don't know what's going on. They're about to kill all the Jews. And he had to tell her, well, guess what, Esther? You're here for such a time as this. You're not here by accident. You know, I don't know if she had to get her bubble burst. You're not all that beautiful. (laughs) God put you there. God allowed you to win that contest. God allowed you to become that queen, and he had a calling upon your life. He had something he wanted you to do. And you go through all these guys, and we won't take the time to tell all their stories, but you talk about Ezra. You talk about what you men will be studying, Nehemiah. You talk there about Hannah, who is down and discouraged because she can't have children. And her rivals out there are spitting out babies like rabbits. And so they get, then you got Jeremiah. And God said something to Jeremiah. He said in Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. Can, can I just say that to you? To remind you what a privilege it is to be a believer? What a privilege it is to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus Christ? that it was something that God had planned for you, no matter how surprising or accidental it seemed, and the circumstances that eventually brought you. I, I was even thinking with these musicians here. You know, you get these guys who maybe at one time were musicians thinking they were going to become, you know, the next Eddie Van Halen or something. <laughs> and instead they find themselves here rocking out for Jesus. And it seems like such a shock, but it's not. It's not a shock, guys. God has a plan for every single one of us. And it's foreordained and before the foundations of the world. And as he said, I want to say it to you, that God would say it to you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. The Apostle Paul said to the Galatians, he said in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15 through 16, it pleased God. That in itself is an amazing statement. It pleased God. It pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me. Guess what? It's the same calling. The same calling that was upon Paul is upon each and every one of us as believers. I'm not saying every single one of us is meant to travel the world and start churches. But I'm saying what he just said. He separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me. At your job, you're meant to reveal Christ in your family, in your crazy family. You're meant to reveal Christ. Wherever it is that God has you, wherever it is that God has sovereignly placed you for such a time as this to reveal his son through you, you've got to think about that once in a while. We've got to remember that because We could so easily lose sight and say, why am I here? Why am I at this horrible job? Why was I born into this horrible family? Why why am I living in this horrible city? No offense to Almani. I thought I was in Pico Rivera for a moment. (laughs) Why am I here? Well, you're here to reveal his son. You're here that... God's son would be manifested through you. That's, that's to me, is flat out amazing. So God saw every single one of us. And it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. 
And Psalm 139, verses 1 through 4, it says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down, my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For, is there, for there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. God knows everything there is to know about us. And maybe for some, maybe that's the problem. You say, yes, God knows what a horrible past I have. God knows what a horrible person I can be. God knows how many problems I have. Nobody at church really knows. I do a good job of of putting up a front or acting like everything's fine or I'm really getting this Christianity thing. But I have a lot of problems. You know, I'm really poor. Poor in spirit, that is. And Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Right? So the fact that God knows everything about you or you have a past, that doesn't really mean that that keeps you from having a glorious future. It didn't keep... Bible characters from having a glorious future. I didn't keep God from writing down the name of the harlot Rahab in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. I didn't keep God from using the apostle Paul to take the gospel to different parts of the world. And so although we can say, yes, God sees everything, And for some that strikes fear in us or for some that makes us guilty and ashamed. But it also says as a result of Christ that you're accepted in the beloved. That he sees you and what he sees is acceptable to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. And there's some phrases and some sayings that maybe you've heard as well as I have that I would want you to to keep in mind Uh, One has once said, when the devil reminds you about your past, anybody know the rest? Remind him about his future. When the devil reminds you about your past, remind him about your future. God knows your past. And for some, it's exactly why he chose you. Because he's going to receive glory from taking you from from that horrible place of your past and doing remarkable, incredible things through your life. Because remember what he says to to Peter and to Simon. He says there in verse 16, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, for they were fishermen. That could be taken in two ways. Now, the most obvious is simply stating what they were presently or currently at that time, they were fishermen, right? But another way we could say that is, hey, they were fishermen. That was about to become past tense. That was about to become their old life. That was what they did in the past. But we know Jesus says he he has a future for them. Just like he said through the prophet Jeremiah, my thoughts are not evil toward you. But I want to give you a future and a hope. And he comes to these guys, he comes to these these fishermen, and he says, you know what, you guys were fishermen, but I'm going to make you fishers of men. I have something greater for you. Not that fishing is something to be looked down upon. You know, as a truck driver, nobody's going to look down at a truck driver. It's an honest living. We work hard. I'd really love to see the country run without truck drivers and all the things that the truck drivers do. But God had something greater for me than than being a truck driver. And he had, a, for me personally, he had this calling of being a pastor. So he would have said, you were a truck driver, and now you're a pastor. And that's an amazing thing. So there's going to be transformation from what you were to what God ultimately wants you to become. And so it's also been said, because we think to ourselves, yeah, but God sees all my bad parts and all my bad sides. 
Well, it's it, Charles Spurgeon said, I'm so glad that God chose me before the foundation of the world because he never would have chosen me after I was born. You know, God, God knows you from beginning to end, and he still loves you. He still loves you. And so we look at these guys, and they were nothing special. They were nothing extraordinary. One of my many life verses is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God wants to take these average, ordinary guys, and he wants to do extraordinary things through them. And guess what? The same is to be said about each and every one of you. God wants to take you and your average, ordinary ways and do extraordinary things through you. And that's where your mind gets blown too, when you begin to see God working in you. Now, some other things that we want to learn from the next two verses, and we're going to see three things that are, I think, important for us tonight. In verse 17 and 18, it says, Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishes of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. So three things. There's three things that you can easily see. Number one is follow me. Number two, I will make you become fishes of men. And number three, they immediately left their nets and followed him. So I wanted to teach just three remaining things in this study. Number one, it goes along with that first directive there, follow me. And number one is always remember who you're following. Always remember who you're following. I don't know if everyone understands the importance of that, but that's a really important lesson for you. Because sometimes if we're following men and those men stumble, then we stumble. Jesus said about the blind leading the blind. Well, if the blind lead the blind and the one falls into a pit, then the others will fall right in after them. You know, obviously all of us are like sheep. It's not that much of a stretch that the Bible likens us to sheep and sheep just simply follow, right? You know, we sometimes do things just blindly. More than one person has walked into the wrong bathroom because they simply just followed the person in front of them. Said, oh man, I'm in the wrong bathroom here. What am I doing in here? You just blindly followed. I think it's an interesting thing in this day of social media that we decided to call them and become followers or follow me. Follow me on Facebook, follow me on Instagram, follow me on whatever it might be. Well, you bet, you've, you've got to be careful who you follow because you're going to end up where they end up many times. You're going to become like they are. You're going to become what they become. God said of those gods that have no mouth so they could talk, have no eyes so they could see, that those who worship them become like them. You worship them, you become like them. You follow all those stars on Twitter, Instagram, you follow them and they're pointless in their vain life, then guess what? Your life tends to become pointless and vain. You tend to spend your time focused and, and paying attention to, attention to pointless things. And one day you might en end up at the end of your life, like Solomon saying, that was all vanity. Vanity of vanities, it's all vanities but i'm here tonight and i think i can safely say this you know with your pastor's approval don't even follow your pastor don't follow a pastor your pastors are here to lead you to jesus not to lead you to themselves you know we can be loyal and we can be committed to something, but ultimately we're committed to Jesus Christ. That was the command. 
And we could easily forget that. We really can. We could start serving ministry. We could start serving the ministry. We're supposed to serve in the ministry and not serve the ministry. We get so frustrated. Some of us who are very involved in ministry, we start asking ourselves, why am I doing this for? When you start asking yourself, why am I doing this for? Guess what? That's a great question to ask. And when you're so frustrated, you're so fatigued, you're so, you're so upset, you're looking down in judgment and anger upon other Christians, and you're asking, why am I giving up so much of my time? Why am I doing this for? That's a great question to ask yourself. Are you doing it for Jesus? Are you serving Jesus? Because sometimes I'll need to ask myself that. Lord, why am I doing this? And ultimately the answer is, I'm doing it for you, Lord. I'm doing it for you, Lord. If you're doing what you're doing for men or for the praise of men, Jesus came and he rebuked all those Pharisees and he Sadducees and he says, you do it for the praises of men. You love the praises of men more than you love the praises of God. And so why are you doing it? What are you following? Make sure the initial call is from Jesus and it's to follow Jesus. Always make sure you're following Jesus. Secondly, the second thing he said was, I I will make you become. Now, the Greek word there, it speaks of fulfillment. It will come to pass. And we have to get to the third point. The third point always comes after the second, obviously. But we're going to talk about something important in this regard in the next point. So kind of hear what I'm saying and completely hear what I'm saying. But know that I'm going to add something that's very important to what I'm about to say right now. Philippians 1.6 says, being, anybody know the next word? I like to do this because I like to put people on the spot and see if you're really reading your Bibles. Being confident. Awesome. Being confident of this very thing that he, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians said, it is he who works in you both to will and to do. It's he who's working in you. And one thing he says here in regard to these guys, I am going to make you become fishers of men. Now, all the things that God has done in my life, I dare not take credit for those things. Not to say there wasn't work, but I like what the Apostle Paul said, is, is it's the grace of God that worked in me. Though I labored all, that all than, more than all the others, but it's the grace of God working in me. So yes, there's this partnership, but... We're going to give 99.9% credit to God, God doing a work in us. And when he says he's going to do that in these guys, there is such an amazing certainty there. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And for those who maybe say, but why is it taking so long? Or why do I mess up so much? Or I don't seem, it doesn't seem like I'm changing, or I'm just not getting it. Don't grow weary in doing good. And that would be Galatians 6, 9, of course, let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. You've got to just stay on that potter's wheel. 
You've got to just stay there, no matter how uncomfortable it gets. We're looking at the call of Simon Peter, right? You know, Simon Peter, like some men, I won't say many men, he was confident in himself. He had a lot of self-confidence. I think there was a little bit of an ego in Peter. And that's part of what needed to be worked out. And we saw some of that ego come out when Jesus confessed to those guys. And he also prophesied to those guys. And he said, all of you will deny me and be made to stumble because of me tonight. And Peter pridefully rejected that statement. And he said, Lord, even if all these other guys, I I get what you're saying about all these other guys. I, I know these guys, but Lord, I will never deny you. Even if all else deny you, I will never deny you. And there was a lot of I there. You know, maybe he didn't hang out with John the Baptist long enough because John the Baptist said, I must decrease and he must increase. As we continue on this walk with Jesus, as we continue to follow Jesus, some are going to learn more and more each and every day. I'm so weak. I'm so miserable. I'm so wretched. Apart from him, I can do nothing. Some are going to continue to insist, I can do it. I can take it. I can, I can accomplish it. I can make it. I'll do it. And some are going to wear themselves out because they're going to continue to do things in their own strength. Even for those of you that are in ministry, they're going to continue to try to do things in your own strength. And some of you are going to wear yourself out, burn yourself out, and maybe even fall away for a time until you come back and you realize, I need to have a complete dependence upon the Lord. And when Peter went out and wept bitterly, those were beautiful tears. Those were the tears of a man who was recognizing how weak he really was, how foolish he was, how how deceived he was. There was a self-deception for Peter because he believed something about himself that he really wasn't. And like the Apostle Paul, you know, the later in his letters he got, eventually towards the end of his life, what did he say about himself? I'm the chief of sinners. I'm the biggest sinner there is. He recognized that he was nothing. And the more and the longer he walked with Jesus, he recognized that. So it's God who's going to be working in you. You're going to have those setbacks. You're going to have those failures. You're going to, I mean, I was in traffic on the way over here. You're going to get all fired up in traffic. You're going to have people cutting you off. You're going to have those tense fights with your with your beloved you're going to you're going to you're going to fight on Valentine's Day. We've had a few fights on Valentine's Day. We fought in Hawaii before. I mean it's going to happen. And, and you're going to say, "Oh, Lord, I thought I was better than that. Lord, how did I do that? I never pictured myself doing that." Uh, and you just got to get up again. You fall, you stumble, you make a mistake, you blow it, you do the wrong thing. And just like Peter, you know, it's, the, it's one of the most beautiful pictures in all the pages of scripture, I think, is that, that, that scene of, of Peter kind of maybe just saying, I'm not cut out for this. I'm not cut out for this ministry stuff. I'm not cut out for this Jesus stuff. I'm going back to fishing. Remember that scene there? John 21, I believe. I'm going back to fishing. That's what I'm good at. 
You're going to go back to the things of the world? Yeah, it just comes so natural to me. You know what? Yes, it does. And the spiritual things are so unnatural. The spiritual things are so difficult. They're so hard sometimes. And sometimes we say, God, why does this have to be so hard? And it isn't easy. This process that we're going through, whoever said it was easy. It's likened to going through a fire. We're being tested. And that's speaking of that those metals that go through fire and come out pure and they come out tested and they're tried and true. And that's the walk of Christianity. That's part of being a Christian. We get tested, we get tried. Sometimes we take a test and and we fail big time. We fail miserably. We fall flat on our face. We're we're so embarrassed. We're so embarrassed. We say, I'm not going back to church anymore. People know about what I did. Anybody willing to raise their hand and say they felt and said, I'm never going back to church again? Anybody would raise their hands high enough to do that? I wish we would not be embarrassed to hold our hands up because other people need to know you felt that way too. Because we sit there thinking everybody else is so perfect. Everybody else is so strong. You're such a strong Christian. You never seem to have weakness and problems. Some just hide it better. Some just keep it undercover. I'm telling you, at least I believe all Christians struggle. You know, all, all Christians at some point, maybe I should just use the word most or many. I think many at one point or time have said, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I know as a pastor, I've said, I can't do this anymore, Lord. I can't handle this anymore. This is too much. I can't bear this weight anymore. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in and and smacks me and says, who said you were supposed to carry it in the first place, dummy? I said, cast your cares upon me, not carry them. Cast your care upon me because I care for you. You don't have to carry these heavy loads. I said, give me your heavy load. Then I'll give you my yoke, which my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. But again, because so many of us have that mentality that says, I'm not going to quit, I'm not going to give up. When we're weak, we just dig in even more and get even more of our strength, and we just say, I'm going to make it happen, when we should really just fall on our face and just say, Lord, I can't do this. I need you to do this, Lord. I need you to carry this, Lord. I need you to get me through this. And that's what he said. I will. He didn't say, right? In verse 17 there, I'll, I'll try to make you become. Did he say that? Is he kind of like, well, you're, you're, a pretty, you're a pretty tough case, Pete. I'm going to try my best. You got a lot of problems, Pete. I'm going to do what I can. You know, you're, a, you're, you're special. You know, he doesn't say that. He says, you know what? I will make you become. And for those that want to become what God wants them to become, well, that's where this third point is so important. He says there, I will make you become fishes of men, And they immediately left their nets and followed him. Now, let me ask you a question. If they hadn't dropped their nets, would they have become fishers of men? If they hadn't dropped their nets, would they have become fishers of men? Personally, I don't think so. Because there's certain times... 
like in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 1, where we're told, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. There's things we need to be willing to let go of. There's things we need to be willing to do. You know, it tells us that we, what can, what can we do to the Holy Spirit? We can quench the Holy Spirit. We can quench what God is trying to do and the work he's trying to do. We could quench that Holy Spirit. I think it was vital for those guys. Just like it's vital for some of you guys. And you know the weights you're still holding on to. You know the things that you don't want to let go of. You're sitting here right now saying, yes, I want to become all that God wants me to become. I think to myself, in going back to some of those stories, you know, going back to Joseph, I think there were many opportunities for Joseph to say, I'm done. I'm going to find a way back to my father. I'm not staying here in Egypt. I'm going back to my father. I shouldn't be here in the first place. Or I think to myself, one of the most incredible stories being a man and seeing the story of this young man in the house of Potiphar, and, and there she, he is with his wife, and she says, come and lie with me. And what does he do? He says, far be it from me that I should sin against God. And he runs out of there. And what does he get for that? What does he get for that? jail this is what I get for doing the right thing it would have been better off I slept with her and just not told anyone I do the right thing and I end up in jail thanks a lot God I'm done serving the Lord if this is what I get if Joseph right there at that point would have just said I'm done then he wouldn't have accomplished what God ultimately had planned for him. So this is where I'm saying we have to play our part. We have to do. That's where Paul says, I worked more harder than they all. If we're not going to be where God wants us to be, if you're going to miss church tonight because it's the last episode of American Idol, (laughs) you're not going to be where God wants you to be You're not going to do what God wants you to do, but you still want to become and accomplish all those glorious things that God has for you. He does have glorious things for you. We're told in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Do you do you think and I, and I please I pray I never come off as being boastful prideful do you think that I ever envisioned myself standing here before you guys as a pastor the first time someone even even spoke that word to me I said you got to be kidding me you're crazy I wouldn't even want to be a pastor that's what I said And by the way, just be careful when you say, I'd never do that to God. I'm never doing that, God. That's a surefire way to get you to do what you say you're never going to do. I'm never going to do that. But God has things that we we can't even imagine. And mostly it was just, you got to be like super spiritual and holy to be a pastor. You got to be like praying 24-7 and like knowing your Bible, the whole Bible, you got to have it memorized and stuff. There's no way I could ever become a pastor. And whatever else it might be. You know, I always think to myself, we we can't miss the so-called behind-the-scenes people. Moses would have never been Moses without who? Moses would have never been Moses without who? Moses would have never been Moses without who? The midwives. 
It's those midwives that said, we're not afraid of, we're not afraid of Pharaoh. It's those midwives that says, hey, then I guess we'll die because we're not aborting these children. We don't care what the government says. We're not going to do it. We're going to hide these little children, and we're going to keep them alive, even if it means our own death. You see, I don't know what you are. I don't know if you're a Moses or a midwife, but we all play a part. We all play a role. And there ain't a Moses without a midwife. Just like it says, behind every great man is a great woman. Maybe a wife of a great godly man that God uses in incredible ways. And I'm here to tell you right now, as a husband, I, 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 would, I don't even know how I'd do it without my wife. I don't know how I would do it without her support, her encouragement, sometimes her toughness. Stop whining, you big baby, go. I need it all. I need it all. We all, we all play a part in this, guys. So you've got to be where God wants you to be. You've got to do what God wants you to do. You've got to let go of those nets. I don't think we could sit down and go have coffee afterwards, maybe another day, because my wife said, let's get home early. But we, 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 we can sit here and say, would those guys have become fishes of men had they not dropped those nets? I don't believe so. You want to say, yeah, but my business. But Lord, what's going to happen to our business? Our business will go bankrupt. Well, then worry about your business. Because there were people that said, but this and but this. So Jesus said, hey, by all means, you take care of that. You go do that. Because those who want to be my disciples... They need to be willing to pick up their cross daily and follow me. Every single day, they need to be willing to die to the things they want to do and live for the things God wants them to do. And, and that's how ultimately we become what God wants us to become. But there's so many these days not wanting to let go. Still wanting to see glorious things, but do all the things they want to do. And it's just not going to happen, in my opinion. Thankfully, thankfully they let go of those nets. And we know the story, right? These guys went on to do incredible things. Not because of them, but because the power of God was working in them and through them. Because the first instruction to all of them was to wait. Wait for what? Wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And that's what we need. We need to be a spirit-filled and a spirit-led church. And we need to step out in faith. I want to encourage you guys to, to be those who step out in faith. You're where you are because God's placed you there and God put you there. And it's time to stop hiding your light under a bush, putting that lamp under the bed. It's time for us as Christians to, to boldly proclaim our faith and to share Jesus with those around us. That's what God has us here for. And we can complain about what a dark time it is, what a crazy time it is, but I think God would be telling all of us as his people, you're here for such a time as this. I ordained you. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you. You, 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 you have a great calling upon your life. You have great things that God wants to do through you. And you play a role somewhere. Somewhere in the body of Christ, you play a huge role in accomplishing God's will and furthering God's kingdom. Let's pray. Father, that we would know that, Lord. That we would understand that.
And you gave us that parable of the four soils. And it was really only that last soil that, that brought forth fruit 40-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. And the other fruits got snatched away right away real quick. And those other seeds, excuse me, those other seeds, well, they got choked out by the cares of the world, by riches, by worldly things. And the other seed, it just didn't have enough root, didn't go down deep enough. And when tribulation, persecution came, well, they simply just fell away. But I pray that the, the seed is falling upon good soil. And I pray that those in this room are those who are going to bear much fruit. And if you want to bear much fruit, then you've got to be willing to be pruned once in a while. Maybe right now is a tough time for you. Maybe right now is a time where, where God didn't even give you an option to let go of something. Maybe something was taken from you. Maybe something was removed. And, and it's very painful and it's very difficult. It's very hard. You're not understanding why you had to go through that. But you'll see, and I hope you'll see, that even more fruit is going to come. An abundant, a crop that's so abundant you can't even imagine it. And you just continue to persevere. You know, it's a, it's a message and a word that I personally, personally had to hear today. That we need to just keep persevering. Persevering. Uh, a story I heard today of, of a trial that a, a man went through. His, his child, who was only six months old, for over 12 months, would only sleep for two hours. And would cry the rest of the day. And, and maybe there's new parents, new moms, couples that are dealing with children. And it's difficult and it's hard and it's a struggle. And, and parenting could be so hard. I just encourage you to keep persevering. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. And that hope we know is an anchor to the soul. If you've never received Jesus Christ, that's where it starts. That's what you have to do. He's calling your name. He's calling you by name. I don't know your name, but he does. And he knows those of you that have yet to just surrender and let go and drop the things of the world that you care so much about. Drop those things and see what God wants to replace them with. He'll always replace what he asks you to let go of. He'll replace it with better things. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.